So, the Pope has a new book, Light of the World. Well, it's really a book that it's an interview with the Pope. This was supposed to be the big news this past week, but the news was a bit overshadowed by an article in the Vatican newspaper, the Observatore Romano, last Sunday about a comment that the Holy Father made, published in the book, about condoms. The headlines all over the world were, The Pope says it's okay to use condoms, sometimes. All over, people were saying, it's about time. Well, let me be clear. What the Pope is saying is nothing new. The Church's teaching on contraception has not changed. In the interview, Pope Benedict talks about human sexuality and the Church's position on the use of condoms. He says that focusing exclusively on condoms trivializes the complexity of human sexuality or the banalization of sexuality. He says that because of this, too many people no longer see sexuality as something that expresses love. Instead, the sexual act is a, a sort of a drug that people administer to themselves. He goes on to consider the use of condoms in certain individual cases, such as when a prostitute uses a condom. He says in such a situation, the use of a condom could be a person's first step towards taking responsibility for their actions. However, the Pope adds that it is not really the way to deal with the evil of HIV infection. That can really lie only in the humanization of sexuality. You see, this is quite different than saying that condoms will fix the AIDS crisis in Africa, or whatever else other people are saying. You have to understand that church teaching happens at the level of ideas, of theories, and ideas are always clear. In a perfect world, the use of contraception is not morally acceptable, for any reason. But in the imperfect world we live in, for some people who are already outside of the church's teaching on chastity and sexuality, as in the case of someone who has multiple sex partners, using condoms can be the beginning of behavior that could lead towards a more human sexuality, in the sense that it is taking responsibility. The way I see it, I'd take it even a step further. If handing that 14-year-old a condom because she's going back to work on the street can maybe help her come back the next day, perhaps that will be a move towards bringing her closer to a sexuality that is closer to God's design. That doesn't mean the use of condoms is okay. It means that the church's teaching on contraception really only applies to people who are already trying to live chastity in their lives. For the rest, there are other more pressing moral issues that need to come first. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and this is Salt and Light Radio. Hello and welcome to Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and with me is Chris Dimitrenko. And now, Chris, is not quite Advent yet, but very, very, very close. So do you have your Advent wreath out yet? Well, I, I don't really come from a Catholic family. <laughs> you don't so own an I, Advent wreath? I, I didn't grow up with that tradition. I'm really? not even entirely sure what it is. Really? I'll be honest. Well, I'll tell you what we did. At, so we had a, a, a little wreath. Sometimes no, not even a wreath, but the four candles. Uh-huh. And every Sunday... You, you start with one candle, mm-hmm. and then the next Sunday you, you light two candles. The third Sunday you light three candles. So all through the week, and, and we would have either gather as a family around, even a moment of prayer or a reading. And there's lots of resources out there for, for things to do during Advent. I'll get you, I'll get you so one. So I need one for tomorrow. You need one for, but you have all day tomorrow to get it. Okay. So, and it can be any candle. It doesn't have to be the official one. So oh, okay. I'll hook you up with some Advent resources. Thanks, um, Peter. Okay, let me ask you another question uh-huh. that maybe you have a better answer. <laughs> yeah. Um, you've heard about the Shroud of Turin, right? Oh, of course. Yeah. Okay, so the Holy Shroud. Now, have you heard about the Cloth of Manopello? 
Not very much. No. Okay. So no. yeah, no. So and most people haven't. So this is a cloth. Uh, anyway, I won't tell you all about it now. You'll have to listen to the interview. We're going to hear from Paul Bade, who is an author and journalist um, in Rome. He's German, but he spent almost the last 10 years researching this cloth that has the face of Christ imprinted on it as well. The book is called The Face of God, and it has just been published by Ignatius Press. Um, okay, well, <laughs> let me ask you another question. Then. Uh -huh. The uh, future of forestry. Yes. You know about this band. I know them very well. Yeah, okay. I, love, I love their music. Mm -hmm. Okay, so they're our featured band of the week. Um, and, and thanks to you, because their song, Traveler's Song, is featured in your documentary, Within Your Gates. That's right, premiering on Sunday night at 9 p.m. Eastern. Tomorrow night. Mm -hmm. um, do you want to say anything about uh, the Traveler's Song why, uh, before we play it? Because we're going to play it. Well, we chose that Traveler's Song to be a part of our documentary uh, because it, it features the theme of, of pilgrimage and a feature right. of forestry. They have a series uh, of EPs called Travel yes. that, uh, that really link the concepts of traveling with God, which is in many ways what Within Your Gates is about. Yeah, and we're going to be speaking with the lead singer of uh, uh, Future of Forestry, Eric Young in the second half of the program and we'll be talking about traveling um, so but let's start with that song Traveler's Song um, a song that is featured in the Salt and Light documentary Within Your Gates um, this is from the first of the Travel Series album Traveler's Song by uh, Future of Forestry Wait Stay here and have drink of time A dream Yourself into this time for you. If you travel here, you will feel it all the brightest and the darkest. And if you travel here, listen to your heart. Take with you what last
That was Future of Forestry with their song, Traveler's Song, featured in the Salt and Light documentary, Within Your Gates. Now coming up is Lawrence with our Saint of the Week. But first here, still with me, is Chris with our news segment. So the news of the Pope's book uh, got a little obscured by the news release by the Osservatore Romano on Sunday. Well, I, I tell you, Pedro, in this past week, I've had, you know, very, very little rest because you've, of this book. You've been busy, yeah. I was I was able to read it, and I'll tell you, I was not expecting that of all the things that the Pope talks about in this book, which is uh, a compilation Everything. of six one-hour interviews with a German journal- journalist named Peter Seewald, mm-hmm. I didn't think the condoms remark would be the one that would get all sorts of attention. But it was the Vatican's own newspaper who published that comment and uh, took people by surprise. Yeah. It, uh, from what we understand, it wasn't one of the the excerpts that that uh, was supposed to be published on this past weekend. Oh, really? Now, the Vatican did issue a clarification because there was a lot of headlines out there yes. that were suggesting to some people who, if they didn't read the whole story underneath the headlines, that the Pope was suddenly okay with condoms in any circumstance. Hmm. And what the Pope said was that it was a first step in the direction of a moralization. So an assumption of responsibility is how he is looking at it. So not saying that that condoms are okay or necessarily moral, but recognizing that that person is taking some responsibility when there are many people right. who, who are uh, engaging in sexual activities without any sense of responsibility at all or with any regard for the consequences for themselves. Right or for others. Mm -hmm. Now, the Vatican did issue a clarification the following day saying that, you know, uh, the church's teaching on condoms has not changed. And I think that if you read the full uh, passage of what the Pope says in his own words, you can see that too. Uh, Father Lombardi, though, says that uh, it's an important contribution that clarifies and deepens a long debated question. Uh, about the use of condoms in HIV prevention, and it seems like it's it's a conversation that the Pope isn't intending to close with his with his comments, but but maybe one that will be continuing. Right. Um, we spoke about the the issue of uh, of the Pope's statements about condoms, as well as other elements of the book, with one of the newest cardinals, Cardinal Raymond Burke, uh, is uh, the head of the Apostolic Signatura, which is like the the high highest court of the Vatican, and he was just uh, uh, became a cardinal at the consistory mm-hmm. this past weekend. Yeah. And uh, and Alicia Ambrosio from Salt and Light caught up with him, and here's what he had to say about the new book. He simply made the point uh, that uh, for a person who was in a habit of sins against chastity, a prostitute, a male prostitute, to at least come to the realization that he should try to protect the sexual partner could be the beginning of a growth in the moral life which God willing would develop into an embrace of the virtue of chastity and an abandonment of the of the practice of prostitution. But the, the Holy Father makes it very clear. He says that the use of condoms is never immoral. The church never considers it to be a moral practice or a good practice. That was Cardinal Raymond Burke, who just became a cardinal at the most recent consistory this past weekend, an American cardinal, one of two new American cardinals. And uh, he was talking about this book, Light of the World, where, Pedro, there were so many other topics that 
that I hope people pick up the book to read because the Pope has mm -hmm. really interesting things to say about the Bishop Williamson affair, about clergy sex abuse, about relations with Islam. I think one of the most interesting things he said was that he doesn't see the need for a ban on the burqa. And that's just one of many uh, little details of, of, you know, of Pope Benedict's thinking that, that you can you can find out if you read it. Yeah, well, even before the book came out, it was already a bestseller. I'm sure we'll be talking about it maybe even next week or as mm -hmm. the weeks come. Uh, great Christmas gift. Uh, Krista Matrenko, our Salt and Light radio news producer. If you'd like to comment on anything that you hear on this program, we'd love to hear from you. Our email, radio at saltandlighttv.org. In about 10 minutes, an update from Vancouver, so stay tuned. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel, Sirius 159 and XM 117. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. Our website is saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Coming up is our diocesan update with Mary Rose. But first, our Saint of the Week with Lawrence. Hey, Pedro. So, who do we have this week? Uh, we got a couple, a couple heavy hitter saints. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On Tuesday the 30th, of November, we have St. Andrew. Okay. But I want to look at St. Francis Xavier because I don't think he's as well-known, obviously. Okay. okay. As opposed to, do you mean St. Andrew the Apostle? Yeah. The brother of James. Yeah. We okay. all know him, so. We all know him. Okay. So we'll, we'll do St. Francis and Xavier. St. Francis Xavier. Um, Friday, December 3rd. Jesuit. Feast day, yeah. Okay. So we're looking at the 16th century um, Spain. Mm-hmm. Uh, most most people know of St. Ignatius of Loyola. Yes. His famous spiritual exercises. Yeah, he's the founder of the Jesuits. He is. And so he gathered six men together, and one of them was St. Francis Xavier. Uh-huh. And formed the Society of Jesus, also known as... The Jesuits. Right. Um, and also in Canada, we know the Jesuits because a hundred years later, after... They were founded. They came here to Canada, and we know them as the... That's right, our the Canadian, Canadian martyrs. martyrs are, right. We're all Jesuits, yeah. Good. So we have a connection to them. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so St. Francis had a bit of a reputation as a miracle worker. Oh, really? I didn't know that. No? No. No, he, uh, yeah, he has a lot of miracles. No, I knew him as a missionary. Like, he went to Asia and stuff. But yeah, definitely a missionary. So he performed miracles, eh? Yeah, one of them um, that was used during his cause for canonization was he was in a storm at sea because he was traveling a lot as a missionary. Okay. And he lost the crucifix, and the story goes that a crab brought the crucifix back to him. Really? Yeah. That's cool. Which is kind of crazy. <laughs> that is crazy. And okay. And even is. some icons you can see of St. Francis Xavier, um, there's a crab in okay. the icon. I'll have to look look at that. Yeah. A lot of them have a boat because nice, he's a he missionary. Was, yeah, right. But some of them have a crab as well. Uh-huh. Anything else? Yeah. Another, on another trip to China, um, two eyewitnesses saw him turn seawater into fresh water. Okay. Just kind of... Kind That's cool. kind of like turning water into wine. Just different. A little more practical. Yeah, maybe. maybe. <laughs> okay. Nice. And he's also said to have brought people back from the dead. Really? Restore sight. Make wow. the lame walk. Wow. All that. Bringing people back from the dead, that's, uh, that's big. That is big. Jesus did that. <laughs> Jesus did that. That's what the only one who did that. Yeah. Oh, neat. I didn't know any of this. Yeah. So uh, he was, as we said, most notably um, a missionary in India. Mm -hmm. But he also uh, went to Japan and Indonesia, all of those islands there. Yeah. So, in fact, I think a lot of the Catholics, because in India has a large population of Catholics in the south. And I it think does, it's yeah. because of St. Francis it Xavier. Is, yeah, and in Jesuits. China, we can uh, probably 
sorry, um, <laughs> did you say China? Japan and Indonesia. Yeah. A lot of the islands off China yeah. he went yeah. to as well. Yeah, nice. And he actually died um, on an island off China, and it took it took two years for that um, the news of his death to reach Europe. Right. And is actually the the king of Portugal who really pushed for his canonization and it made it happen so quickly. Okay, good. So that's St. Francis Xavier, um, uh, Friday, December the 3rd, feast day. So uh, that's good to keep in mind. Um, thank you, Lawrence. Um, Lawrence Fluco is our saint expert. He's also our Salt and Light TV programming assistant, and so he's going to be back in a little bit with our TV programming highlights for the week. So don't go anywhere. I'm Susan Hukong-Taylor, and you're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel, Sirius 159, XM 117. Salt and Light Radio is also heard on the internet at saltandlighttv.org slash radio and on iTunes. Now, in the second half of our program, a conversation with journalist and author Paul Bade about the holy cloth of Manopello. But here now is Mary Rose. Thank you, Pedro. So tomorrow is a special day, the first Sunday of Advent. Yes. And different dioceses have designed different talks, reflection days, and other programs to help all of us get into the true spirit of Advent. And note, I didn't say Christmas. Yes. <laughs> Advent. Advent. So before you put up your Christmas trees and candy canes, listen to these opportunities to do some interior internal decorating. Yes. So first, the Archdiocese of Edmonton invites you to come to an understanding and appreciation of the holiness of Christmas through scripture, prayers, and songs. So on Saturday, December 4th, 10 a.m. to 3.30 p.m., Bernadette Gaslin, editor of Canada's award-winning pastoral magazine Celebrate, will lead a workshop entitled Living the Mystery of Christmas. And that will take place at the Providence Renewal Center in Edmonton, again, December 4th, 10 to 3.30. And by the way, the Archdiocese of Edmonton has workshops to help you live all the liturgical seasons throughout the year. Hmm. Check the Archdiocesan website for more info. And you, Archdioc the Archdiocese of Regina can't be beat. They're doing the same thing, helping us prepare for Advent. On the Thursday, December 2nd, Father Ben Fiore, a Jesuit who's also the president of Campion College at the University of Regina, We'll celebrate Mass and give a presentation on helping you deepen in the true meaning of Christmas. And the evening begins with Mass at 6.45 p.m. at the Divine Mercy Chapel on Hamilton Street. And Diocese of Saskatoon invites you to discover the richness of the Christian contemplative, contemplative tradition with the help of Christian mystics and saints. It's a four-part series taking place on Tuesdays, starting no which started November 23rd, actually. But for the second part, taking place this coming Tuesday, November 30th, Professor Darren Dahl will be giving the presentation at St. Patrick's Parish in the Diocese of Saskatoon. And the evening begins with centering prayer at 7 p.m. Winnipeg. The Archdiocese of Winnipeg offers a three-evening Advent retreat inviting you to journey with Mary to Jesus. The three evenings are on Tuesday, November 30th, Wednesday, December 1st, and Thursday, December 2nd. So that's all back-to-back, -back, starting at 7.30 p.m. Location is St. Teresa's Church in West St. Paul. Go to the Winnipeg Archdiocesan website for more info. And in Toronto, Faith Connections and L'Arche Daybreak are teaming up to provide Torontonians an Advent retreat. They're inviting young adults, 18 to 39, to go to L'Arche Daybreak in Richmond Hill next Saturday, December 4th, from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. for an Advent retreat. This is led by Sister Sue Mosteller, a sister of St. Joseph. And the cost is $10 for individuals, $20 for families. 
which includes lunch, and children are welcome. So no need to give the fact that you have a baby, no babysitter, to <laughs> have no time for God. So you're invited to register by November 30th. And to find out more, send an email to faithconnections at csj-to.ca. Well, thank you very much, Mary Rose. Uh, I was actually thinking of going to that large uh, f- ah, Faith Connections retreat. Uh, um, I haven't decided, but I might go. <laughs> uh, Mary Rose, our diocesan events specialist, and she will be right back with news from Vancouver, so don't go anywhere. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel, Sirius 159 and XM 117. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. Salt and Light is also on Facebook, so check us out and become a fan. And in a bit is our TV programming news. But first, Mary Rose is still here. Yes, thank you, Pedro. So I'm here because I talked to Clayton Emo. He's the director of the Office of Youth and Young Adult Ministry for the Archdiocese of Vancouver for almost eight years now with 18 years of ministry experience. He's married with three kids and enjoys writing and blogging. He does regular youth ministry blogs and videos as well as Vancouver Canucks blogs. So as I mentioned, I had a chat with him a few days ago about the fun things he's been doing with the youth and young adults in the Archdiocese of Vancouver. All right, Clayton, so Spirit Day, which you organized for earlier this month, um, was a great success with the grade seven students. Now, what was this about and why was it successful? Yeah, thanks, Mary Rose. Uh, Spirit Day is our annual event that we do for grade seven students of our archdiocese, and it's it's grown to be our biggest event of the year oh, in in just its six year history. And really, what makes it so exciting is is the grade sevens get to see be with other grade sevens from throughout the archdiocese and just recognize that they're part of something bigger and something better than just their own school or parish, but part of the bigger church. So it's it's a wonderful day of skits, testimonies, prayers music, meals, and mass with the Archbishop. And the other neat part of it is we use um, over 100 volunteers, and I'd say 60 to 70 percent of them are older high school students and university-age students. So whether they're leading the, the skits or the dramas or playing games with the young people, all the grade 7 participants see that there are there are other role models, older role models in the church, and hopefully are inspired to, to take something out of Spirit Day get excited about their faith and want to aspire to stay involved in their faith, not just through confirmation, but, but going on past that as well through their high school years. So we're, we're thrilled. There are about 2,000 people involved, 1,800 participants, uh, over 150 volunteers, and um, just made for a wonderful weekend, uh, this first weekend in November. Wow. Now you're also targeting university-age students, not only grade 7 students and high school students. Um, and that's for tomorrow, first Sunday of Advent. You are um, doing something. So yes, what we, um, we just expanded our office this year to include young adult ministry as well. And as we figure that out, one of the things that we are doing, uh, we're uh, assisting with coordinating the second annual Mass for university students. So Archbishop Michael Miller will be celebrating that Mass. And it's, it's just a chance to pull um, young adults from across the diocese, whether they're campus ministries or parish young adult groups or, or movements and organizations, just a way to celebrate uh, their giftedness and, and look ahead towards Advent and and looking ahead towards Advent, it would be just um, a, a chance for us to, to wait in, in anticipation and to be uh, eager in hope and just really seek out times. We're going to encourage these young adults and young people to, to seek God out in these next few weeks leading up to Christmas and, and also to slow down and let God seek us out as well. Perfect. Thank you so much, Clayton. You're welcome. That was Clayton Emo, Director of the Office of Youth and Young Adult Ministry for the Archdiocese of Vancouver. Go to his ministry's website for more info about these events oyyam.com and you can also find them on Facebook, Twitter and YouTube with the username OYAM Vancouver OYYAM 
Vancouver. And if you want to follow Clayton because you find him particularly interesting, you can do that. Check out his personal website, ClaytonEmo.com. That's C-L-A-Y-T-O-N-I-M-O-O.com. That's great. We always love Clay. <laughs> um, thank you, Mary Rose. Remember to let us know what's happening in your diocese. Send us an email to radio at saltandlighttv.org. Hi, this is Bob Halligan Jr. from Kaylee Rain, and you're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel, Sirius 159 and XM 117. Our blog is saltandlighttv.org slash blog. My name is Pedro, and back with me now is Lawrence with our programming update. All right, within your gates, uh, as we talked about last week, Yes. Um, the premiere of the extended edition is this Sunday, tomorrow, November 28th, 9 p.m. Eastern, 10 Pacific. Uh, basically, Chris Dimitrenko. Yeah, we uh, were all over that. Yeah, yeah, retraces the the Pope's uh, May 2009 trip to the Holy Land. Yes, it's a great, uh, great film uh, and good music. In fact, uh, today, uh, the Future of Forestry, our featured band, yeah. one of their songs, which we just heard, uh, Traveler's Song, is featured in that documentary, Within oh, Your yeah. Gates. So. Uh, uh, if maybe the, the Pope's journey to the Holy Land doesn't uh, uh, <laughs> interest you, maybe yeah. the, it's got a great soundtrack. So so within your gates tomorrow, 9 p.m. Eastern, 10 Pacific. And Tuesday, uh, we have In Your Faith, What is Anointing of the Sick? Mm -hmm. That's your show, Pedro. That's my show, so In Your Faith continues with the sacraments. Right. Uh, 8 p.m. Eastern, 9 Pacific. So that's on Tuesday. It's every Tuesday, yeah. 8 p.m. Eastern, 9 Pacific. I, I think it's a great show. It is. I I love the show. Actually. It's a great show. If if it, it's meant to be for ad adolescents or, or early younger high school students, but mm. I know a lot of adults um, who just no. love it because it's yeah. just it's it's stuff that we either never learned or yeah. or forgot. And the editing, I think, is amazing. And the, the music's good. good. The music is great. It's got a good yeah, pace. it's got a good producer. Good producer on that show. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thursday. So, yeah. Thursday, December second. We have a new focus. So I talked about this last week. Yes. But. We had conflicts with the editing, so it, it's not, it didn't air, okay. but it will air this, this coming okay, week. Okay, so if people were looking for it last week, what's it called? Which one was it? It's uh, the new focus on the El Camino de Santiago Yeah. by Alessia Domenico. So that's Thursday, December 2nd, 7 p.m. Eastern, 8 Pacific, with a repeat on Saturday. The okay, December the so if you can't watch it on the 2nd of December on Thursday, it's going to uh, repeat on Saturday, December 4th at the same time, 7 p.m. Eastern. That's right. 8 Pacific. And, and our, our, our listeners are familiar with Sarah Hart. She's been uh, a Salt and Light featured artist a few times. She's a good friend. She's a very talented singer-songwriter. So this is our, our, our video concert. You can see her uh, in action uh, on December 2nd, Thursday at 8.30. So that's after Catholic Focus. That is. The Camino de Santiago Catholic Focus. Just stay tuned and, and watch a concert with Sarah Hart. All right. On Friday, we have Word for Word, new show, uh, 9 p.m. Eastern, 10 Pacific. It's on Theology of the Body. Mm -hmm. So host Jillian Cantor talks with Leah Perot and Brett Salkeld uh, about their book, How Far Can We Go? A Catholic Guide to Sex and Dating. Yeah. And, and no, I, uh, th it's a great book. Um, I know Brett and Leah really well. They're, they've been doing chastity talks um, and, and sex talks for a long time. So this is kind of like their their response to feedback that people were saying, well, that's a great talk. Right. Is there a book? Um, it's a great little book. I think people that are interested in the theology of the body, sometimes kind of yeah. a little theoretical. And this is a lot more practical. It's really book. practical, yeah. especially for young people. How far can we go? A Catholic Guide to Sex and Dating. So tune in on Friday at 9 p.m. 
9 p.m. Eastern, 10, 10 Pacific. Pacific. So that's every Friday we have Word for Word is our book show. But this Friday, December 3rd, um, authors Leah Perot and Brett Salkeld on their book, How Far Can We Go? A Catholic Guide to Sex and Dating. That's great. So thank you, Lawrence. Um, so a reminder to all our listeners, you might be outside our TV broadcasting area, but that's not a problem because you can watch all our programs streaming live at our website, saltandlighttv.org. Um, Coming up in the second half of our uh, program is our, an interview with our featured band of the week with a singer, lead singer, Eric O. Young of our, of our featured band of the week, The Future of Forestry, and a featured conversation with Paul Batty about his new book on the holy cloth of Manopello, so don't go anywhere. Most of you have heard of the Holy Shroud, or the Shroud of Turin. This is the cloth that has imprinted the image of a man who suffered torture and crucifixion. Many believe that it is the burial shroud of Jesus. Now, there is a book titled The Face of God, which makes the claim that a cloth that has been in a Franciscan parish in the town of Manopello, Italy, for 400 years is the sudarium, or the face cloth, with which Jesus was buried. This cloth also has a face imprinted on it. Historian, journalist, and author Paul Batty is the author of The Face of God, The Rediscovery of the True Face of Jesus. I spoke to him last week while he was in the United States. Paul Batty, welcome to Salt and Light Radio. Um, can yep. you briefly tell us what The Face of God or this cloth of Manopello is about? To tell the truth, it's the most precious relic the Church had and still has. It has been forgotten for, let's say, 500 centuries, uh -huh. more or less, but it has been uh, gotten away from the public, but it uh, survives in the as a local relic in a little remote little village in eastern Italy. It uh, survived unharmed and still is there in all its glory, its majesty, and everybody can come to see it. It's it yeah. just, it corresponds, it's you could call it the second cloth of the tomb of um, of tomb of the risen Christ. You know when John yeah. and Peter, when they very yeah. early in the morning went to the empty to the grave, yes. to the empty tomb, they found the tomb was not completely empty. Yes. There were cloths in there. Uh -huh. They found the cloth. One of the cloths is the shroud of Turin, certainly. Yes. And the other one is the napkin, which has been laying unfolded a part of the of the shroud. And this is it. It so is the napkin, the very napkin from the so this is tomb the of Christ and it shows him and it is a, mirac a miracle it shows because nobody knows how this image came into being it is technically impossible there are no traces of paint on it it is as surely as miraculous unexplicable as Our Lady of Guadalupe Interesting. as you know there is no yeah. color either on it and it is uh, the most breaking news you can <laughs> get across with I mean okay. that this face has come back to history. It's yeah. come back to our time. Only uh, 14 years ago, the curtain has been taken away from it. The villagers there, uh -huh. they haven't been aware of what they had. And okay. But here it is. And now the crucial point for this um, veil was the, the 1st of September 2006 when, when Pope, Benedict Pope Benedict, in his first journey to uh, within Italy, came to see it. So he, he had read, uh, read my book, in fact. Oh yeah, and then he said, "I decide." Yeah. So how did you how did you become acquainted with the cloth? What sort of prompted you to find out more? Uh, I became. I've been invited. I've been always interested in the, in the shroud of Turin. Yeah. 
and did some research there, wrote a letter of articles there, and uh, read all the, the the most important books, met many scholars, have been in Turin. And then one day in Turin, for the first time, somebody, not one day, when I first had encountered myself, for the very first time in my life, the Shroud of Turin itself, which is an overwhelming experience. Yeah. If you are there and see this, the Lord, and all his majesty, but wounded, dead yeah. laying there in front of your eyes. Yes. That very evening, we were, we were invited in Congress, scholars in a in a remote little castle out of Torino, and then one professor told me, "Look," he said, "then the other corner, the, the German professor, he claims that another image would exist." Huh. And uh, I mean, he was introduced as a as a cracked, <laughs> crazy German professor, and it was for me easy to follow up with this. I mean, yeah. after this overwhelming experience meeting for the first time the shroud in person and then having having somebody around you says there's something more beautiful exists and some more authentic or as authentic exists was just not on my map it was not on my mind and as it is today it's completely unexpected nobody has heard about it before right so i thought yes this man must be right this it can't it can only be a a crazy German professor, that's it. Right. But then the, the story turned, took many uh, different ways. Yes. Yeah. Now, just a note for anyone that might be joining the program at this time, you're listening to Salt and Light Radio. We're speaking with uh, historian and journalist Paul Bade about the uh, the face cloth of Christ, the cloth of Manopelo. Now, you obviously feel as strong about this cloth as you do about the Shroud of Turin. There's been a lot of research done on the Shroud of Turin. Have the same types of research been done on the Manopelo cloth in terms of uh, electron microscope and 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 blood uh, tests and all that stuff. Sort of, sort of them because uh, one thing it has been thoroughly uh, in the thoroughly um, thorough research has been made on it, but with one exception, it is sealed now for four hundred years within two panes of of crystal and uh, and the frame. It hasn't been taken out. It's really sealed in this frame. It has okay. been taken out of this for four hundred years and. Uh, the monks, uh, the Capuchin monks, they are not in a hurry to do um, to let anybody push them. They said, "Now we had it for 400 years here. Now uh, the technology is wrapping so fast. I mean, now we can do so much uh, with non-invasive um, researches. Right. Uh, we couldn't. Now we find out. I mean, with the digital uh, science, if we can find out that much, we, we couldn't find out with the most cruel researches. Uh, let's say 20, 50 years ago, we said." Let's wait. In 10 years, we won't know much more. But what has been found out is that it is sea silk. It's the most precious fabric of the uh, of the ancient times, uh-huh. and uh, which it does, which just impossible to paint upon. Right. So this is no paint, but it is, it's not a photo either. I mean, it's just far too old. Yeah, and It's so course. beautiful, and it is. It has the impression, gives the impression of the, of a living image. Yeah. And then again, the Cavachins know. They say. We could uh, have researches from one way to the other, in all imaginable ways, but it wouldn't bring nobody to the faith of the um, that God became man, that He resurrected. Right. Said, on a different level, yeah. Yeah. Now you say one of the tests that has been done, or one of the research that has been done, is that they've overlaid transparencies of the face of the cloth with the shroud of Turin, and that it's it, it's a perfect match. Uh, because yeah, I've, that, I've that's that's true. And uh, this, for instance, you can only do today. I mean. Only today you can put them, and you, you could have made copies, uh, let's say, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, but now with the, the digital techniques, you can, you can bring them together. And in, um, 
in cyberspace, you can open laboratory, you can bring them to the, together. Yeah. And then the first, um, the, um, the, they form a perfect match. Not only that, I mean, they show the sa very same person, they show, in fact, Jesus of Nazareth, uh -huh. but with, with two complete, completely different images. The Shroud of Turin shows a dead man, uh -huh. completely in all his majesty, in all his serenity, with, yeah. with all the wounds, and you show him upside from both sides the whole the whole body with all with all the wounds they show much more wounds than we even know of them from yes. the gospels yeah and on this linen and then the other this beautiful fine fine veil it's uh, it's not it's a living man with open eyes with an open mouth he's sort of breathing the first uh -huh. impression i had when i had when the, when the first left is so this is somebody uh, who just wakes up and he opens his eyes, and his mouth is open in a way as would you, if he would form an A, an A, as Abba, as if he would say in right. Father. Right. Abba. Now, some people um, have said that maybe that this cloth would have been the cloth that with which Veronica wiped the face of Jesus, but you're sure that it's not, that it's actually the face cloth used for burial purposes. Uh, yeah, but yes and no. I mean, I'm positive sure that it is the face cloth from the tomb. But this, it had... On the course of history, it had many, many names. Now today, it's called in Italy, in Manopello, Volto Santo, which uh -huh. says it's uh, the holy face. Then, for some time, it had uh, the name of Veronica, but Veronica in itself it says Vera Icon. Yeah, true icon. Vera is Latin, Icon is Greek, the true image. The true image, the true image. Yes. Then, before that, it had been called in the East Mandulion, or the image of Abgar, or the four folded ones, uh -huh. or the not made by man's hand. So I would say there are at least five, six, seven, eight names which come to my mind easily, but all for the same object. Because right. people had to think about how th this came into being. They didn't really know, I mean, where it came from. But the first name is uh, Sudarion. That is um, the expression which John mentioned in the Gospel. Yes. Sudarion. That means um, Sudar, you have pseudo in it. I mean, sweat, it's a, yeah, it's it's a, sweat. a sweat. But it's just, just an expression. The expression is fail, uh, fail a face cloth. Yeah. Yes, well, was, but it was far too fine to to take any sweat or blood or whatever. Right. But this was. But what I'm saying is, people did not know what it was along the. Uh, this only today we can, of our broader knowledge of the yeah. we see all the documents. It is right. a document, and people did not know where it came from. So they already they all all the times they had to make up their mind which miracle could have brought this into being. From that. Uh, they have the, um, the veil of the Veronica. They call it Veronica too. Yes. Now I'm just curious quickly. So why was it kept? Why ha was it kept that nobody knew that the monks had it for 400 years? Was it just because they didn't want yes. people to know? Or yes. no, that's no, that's easy. Because it used to be the main attraction for St. Peter's Church in, uh, in Rome. The main attraction. This veil, the image of God. Um, attracted literally pilgrims, millions of pilgrims to Rome. Yeah. Well, Paul, f uh, it's a fascinating story. Thank you for sharing it with us. Thank you for being part of Salt and Light Radio. Thank you, Pedro. That was a conversation with journalist and historian Paul Batty, author of The Face of God, The Rediscovery of the True Face of Jesus. The book is available through Ignatius Press, and you can find out more at ignatius.org. We'll put a link to that on our website, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Here now is the future of forestry from their first Advent Christmas album, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. O Come, O Come.
was our featured band of the week, Future of Forestry, with their version of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel from their first Advent Christmas album. Now, many of you may not be hardcore Christian music or praise and worship music followers, so you may have never heard of a band called Something Like Silas. Well, this band doesn't exist anymore, but after some soul-searching and a period of reconnecting with God, two of its members in 2006 regrouped as Future of Forestry and lead singer... Eric O'Young joins us now on the phone from his home in California. Welcome to Salt and Light Radio, Eric. Thanks a lot, Pedro. It's good to, good to be talking to you. Yes. Now, I, I, we've been talking about the name Future Forestry. I'm sure a lot of our listeners are wondering where that name comes from. What, what's that all about? Yeah, it's, um, it's actually a C.S. Lewis poem. Oh, yeah? Um, it was, uh, you know, initially kind of a poem that just sounded really cool. It kind of rolls off the tongue, Future of Forestry. Yeah, it does. Um. But, uh, you know, after sitting with that for a while and, and kind of digging into the meaning, um, I've actually begun to appreciate it. C.S. Lewis is a great thinker and um, just such a, an amazing uh, mind. And his poem starts, How will the legend of the age of trees feel when the last tree falls in England? And so right. it's, um, it's kind of this uh, foreboding poem about, hey, what are we doing to our lives? What are we doing to our world? Um, what are we doing to ourselves when when we're stripping ourselves of all that is valuable and all that is good? Right. So it's it's kind of not just specifically about forests, but kind of forestry representing the whole of humanity or the whole of creation kind of thing. 
Yeah, that's exactly it. And in an individual sense, um, I've taken that into my songwriting to um, write a lot about um, our lives and about how technology and, and advancement has kind of taken over us okay. um, to the point where we, we've lost a lot of who we are. And, uh, you know, I write about trying to regain that sense of humanity for ourselves. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Now, I, I heard a story about you. And, and some big trees. And I was wondering, first of all, if that's a true story. And second, I thought that maybe there was a connection between that experience that you had and the name of the group. Yeah, there's a story that I, I've shared a lot uh, in my concerts before I sing the song that yeah. came out of that experience. The song is called Speak to Me Gently okay. on, on the first feature of Forestry album called Twilight. Uh-huh. Um, and that experience was, uh, was simply me... Um, just really searching, really looking for God. Um, you know, I've been I've been a Christian for a long time, but um, I'm always in the process of discovering God and meeting God in ways that I that I didn't have Him uh, previously. And yeah. uh, and so I had an experience driving up the the West Coast, um, just searching for Him, mm-hmm. and uh, that spiritual experience happened to be in a huge, amazing forest, uh, the Redwood Forest. Uh-huh. If you've never been there, um, it's just absolutely amazing. That's actually where they filmed the Star Wars, oh, yeah. uh, where those trees are just immense. Yeah. And uh, I, I honestly just met God there in such a tangible way. And so that's where that story came, comes from. Um, it just happens to be a story about trees, though. Um, it's not really linked to the, to, okay. to the main feature of forestry. So it happens you, to be that way. Right, so you could have had that experience on a mountaintop with rocks, and the name of the band would still be Future Forestry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> not Future of... Future of Boulders. Yeah. That wouldn't be it. Um, just a note for anyone joining the program at this time, you're listening to Salt and Light Radio. I'm your host, Pedro, and we're speaking with Eric O'Young, lead singer of Future of Forestry, our featured band of the week. Um, now, your previous group, something like Silas, was, uh, I think it's fair to say that it's c- kind of classified as a worship band, but I don't think Future of Forestry falls in that classification. And I don't like classifications, but but how would you describe future of the music of Future of Forestry? Well, that's interesting because I, I don't like classifications any either. Yeah. Uh, the, the sad part about it is that classifications tend to help you uh, advance your band more. You know, if you call yourself a worship band, people know what to do with it. If you, you call yourself right. a rock band, people know what to do with that. If you call yourself somewhere in between, kind of gray area, then people don't know what to do with you. And that's always been the case yeah. uh, with my career. I've always made music that has been very worshipful music, uh-huh. and yet um, it's not been kind of categorized as church music or tr- or music that congregations can sing. Right. And so um, that's pretty much what Future Forestry is uh, still, is, is music that um, is honest. It's coming from my heart. And uh, my heart, in essence, uh, um, is always trying to figure out its relationship to God as, you know, does God love me? Does God see me as a son? Does God um, know me? Do I know God? And so these questions are kind of spelled out in a lot of my songs. Right. And a song doesn't have to be, you know, a love song to Jesus to be a worship song. I mean, you could write about anything. And I think if your heart is in the right place, it gives God worship. Like a good rock well, yeah, song I always think it's funny to ask of people because you know we have a we have a cello player in our band, and I uh-huh. always point to the cello, and, the, and I say, "Well, what do you think? Do you think that's a Christian cello <laughs> or a secular cello?" Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. it's kind of funny that we we want to categorize things, but it's ridiculous because, um, you know, our uh, the way we express in art and in music is 
is expressing our lives and our spirituality and uh, our perspective of God. And so many times, that's a very worshipful thing. Yeah. Now, um, you your first album was Twilight. Um, your second, third, and fourth albums are part of a series called the Travel Series. And and I was curious. I, I, we heard at the beginning of the program. We heard the a Traveler song, and I, I that is from that first album, Travel Series, the the, the first volume. So, is there uh, what's the significance of traveling for you, or is there? I mean, it's not just one album, but three. Why that? Yeah. Well, actually, the the series um, was named after I wrote the song Traveler song. Okay. I hadn't planned it out that way, um, but I wrote the song that says. Um, uh, if you travel here, um, you will feel it all, the brightest and the darkest. If you travel here, listen to your heart and take with you what lasts forever. Right. And um, that was a song that was just basically kind of spelling out uh, my life in that season. My life in that season was experienced in seeing some very, very dark, very difficult things. And yet at the same time, I was also experiencing simultaneously some of the greatest blessings and hopes and, and dreams of my life. And, um, and uh, you know, people are like that. Uh, there's rarely a person that everything is, that happens only bad, or everything that yeah. happens is only good. It's usually a combination of very extremes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, that was that season in my life, and, and that's pretty much life. That's pretty much what it's like to travel through life, experiencing yeah. all that. And so that's how the series was born. Right now, it's, it's interesting because in, a, in a, I think in the Christian tradition, there's 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 something about traveling, not just traveling, but to sort of to go on a spiritual journey, or some people call it a pilgrimage. Do you see a connection between this idea that you're talking about traveling with pilgrimage or a spiritual journey, like finding yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think for me, my pilgrimage has really been the struggle to to accept and to believe in God's love. Uh-huh. Uh, it's such a challenging thing, uh, whether you're Catholic or Protestant or, or any uh, religion that is dealing with God, to see God in such a personal, loving way. Uh, there are so many things in religion that point the opposite of that, that God is this, you know, standoffish God, that He's kind of waiting for us to mess up, and then he's going to get upset at us, and, and we have to pay for our sins all these certain ways. And, right. and to really get to the point where I believe that God cares about me and that he's personal has been a pilgrimage that I, I have uh, been walking through for uh, my whole life. Yeah, nice. Now, you're just uh, going, going, just about to be going on to your Christmas tour. Tell us a little bit about that, because I, I believe you're coming to Canada, aren't you? Um, yes, we are, but we'll be pretty much West Coast Canada. Okay, yeah, that's good. Uh, the Christmas tour takes us through, uh, you know, California, Oregon, Washington, and, and up there, and okay. then we'll be back down through Texas and more of the South area. Um, but yeah, the the Christmas tour is one of my favorite things to do because uh, it's always a win situation when you take songs that people love, like uh, you know, Joy to the World yeah. or Come Emmanuel. And people aren't fishing for words or wondering, you know, what's yeah. the meaning of this strange song? And they're just loving the song. And, and what I like to do with those songs, though, is to bring them to people in a different way that they've ever heard them before. I don't want to just kind of sing a jolly little Christmas tune. Mm-hmm. I really want to make that tune something um, that brings them to a deeper spiritual level or a deeper spiritual place with God. Mm-hmm. And so the songs that I um, create tend to have a very nostalgic feel, a very ambient feel, yeah, a very... Yeah, yeah. Um, mysterious feel to them, 
And um, just seeing the result of that, people coming to these concerts, um, you know, and just being in tears uh, is just such an amazing thing at Christmas time. Yeah, and that's great. Um, we actually did hear Okami Manual, and we're going to play Joy to the World. Um, so I think people will be, get, a, get a chance to experience that, that mystery. Eric, thank you so much for, for joining us today. It's been great meeting you, and it's been great getting to know your music. Uh, you're doing good stuff. Thanks a lot, Pedro. I appreciate your time. You're welcome. That was lead singer and band frontman Eric O'Young of the band Future of Forestry. You can find them on Facebook, they're on YouTube, MySpace, and at their website, futureofforestry.com. We'll put that link on our website so you can easily find it here now, as promised. Um, it's a little early, but uh, I think you'll enjoy this uh, from their first, sorry, from their second Advent and Christmas album, uh, Future of Forestry, with their rendition of Joy to the World. Joy to
listening to Joy to the World, performed by a featured band of the week, Future of Forestry. And that's the end of our program this week. If you missed any part of this broadcast or want to listen to any Salt and Light radio program or check out the links to our artists or guests, just go to our website, saltandlighttv.org radio. And remember, Salt and Light Radio is part of Salt and Light Catholic Media Foundation, dedicated to bring light to the world through media. We have a ton of media resources, a great blog at saltandlighttv.org blog, a huge video library. Check it out, our website, saltandlighttv.org. And don't forget, if you like what you hear on this program or you have any suggestions for featured interviews or artists, write to us, radio at saltandlighttv.org. Thank you for listening. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and this has been Salt and Light Radio.